As we turn our attention to God's Word, I'm going to invite you to have two passages at the ready. Um, It is Pentecost Sunday, and so we will be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And that will be the first text that we read. And, you know, these are two chapters, both of these passages today. There's a lot that could be said. There's a whole series that could be preached on them. So we're going to cover a lot of ground kind of in a a large-picture way. So first we'll be reading Acts 2, 1 through 13. We're going to hold on to that one for just a little bit. But then maybe tear off a corner of your bulletin, because a little bit later in the message, then we'll turn to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 13. In terms of 1 Corinthians 12, um, it's one of the churches in the New Testament, one of the places that Paul visited, and one of the places that is experiencing both the exciting new things that are happening with the Holy Spirit, and also some of the challenges that come, simply because we are human and often short-sighted. And so first we'll be spending time in Acts 2 and then 1 Corinthians 12. But before we do any of this, let's pray together. God, our Father, may your word be our rule. Your Holy Spirit poured out like fire our teacher, and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. May this be our primary concern. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does this mean, is the question. But I have a different question for you first. And it's meant to be a simple question that I I want your audible response for. And I want to tell you up front, I'm not trying to make this a trick question. You know, sometimes public speakers do that thing where they ask you a question and you give the answer and then they say, oh, no, you're completely wrong. That's mean. Um, I do it sometimes, but not today. 
I want to ask you this morning, just your honest opinion, in the 1990s, what NBA team was the greatest? Oh, come on. To quote the Sandlot, you're killing me, Smalls. Okay, who thinks it's the Bulls? Okay, do you think the reason might be because they won six championships in that amount of time? The answer is the Chicago Bulls. And those of you that have different, different opinions on this are kind of like the people who are trying to, you know, go against Pentecost and say, oh, they've just had too much wine. You're trying to dismiss the obvious reality that the team of the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, they won the championship more than any other team. And so you can do statistical work of saying, oh, well, this team scored more points. Well, who cares? They didn't win the championship. The Bulls were the best team in the 90s. Now, I've never used a basketball analogy before, and some of you know my sad history with basketball. I had to call, actually, and confess to another pastor Actually, the associate pastor who works for Pastor Josh Van Lewin, I had to call Jake Parks and let him know I'm talking about basketball this Sunday. So, Jake, if you are listening to this online, just to see if I chickened out or not, I'm talking about basketball. I love you. You're a great pastor. But the Chicago Bulls were the best team, by far. Yeah, even, even Jed agrees with me. They won, and they were amazing. There was talent pooled into that team. They won games. They were a big deal. They were a spectacle. People were watching what were the Bulls doing because they were the greatest. Something exciting was happening. I mean, three championships in a row, and then the infamous repeat of the three-peat when they won another three championships. As far as basketball goes, they were an amazing team. Something great was happening. And I lived through that time period, and so one of the things I remember was that every time a group of students got together to play basketball, at least 10 minutes were spent arguing on who got to be the Bulls. You know, if you're going to name your team, everybody said, well, we're the Bulls. And then another 10 minutes were arguing on the team who finally won the argument to say, well, who gets to be Michael Jordan? Because everybody wanted to be one of the Bulls, and everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan, the celebrity star. His airness, as they called him. It inspired people, a love of basketball. And children wanted to be like the Bulls. They wanted to be Michael Jordan. I'm a Scottie Pippen fan myself. But it's inspired this love of the game. And one thing I know for sure that even though not everyone went on to be an NBA star, everyone in my high school who went on to be a varsity team player, I remember in elementary school that they wanted to be one of the Bulls. Something amazing happened, and it inspired other people, and it caught people's attention. The Chicago Bulls, as amazing as they are, points this dim light towards the way that we can view Pentecost with a certain lens. At Pentecost, something truly amazing happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples in this new and exciting way. And it got people's attention because something amazing was happening. And you'd be a fool to try to argue that it wasn't something amazing.
people were inspired. The crowd was utterly amazed and bewildered, and they had this question, what does this mean? That the Holy Spirit poured out like tongues of fire on the disciples have enabled these simple fishermen from Galilee to speak in all kinds of different languages. Ones that, for one, they just don't know, and how could they? With all the varieties of nations gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost. If you've ever had to learn a language before, you know it's hard enough just to learn the vocabulary to sound like a third grader, much less to be able to preach and proclaim and to give this great address, proclaim the wonders of God to each in their own tongue. Pentecost was truly amazing. And the result of, this, of the Holy Spirit poured out, of this great event, was that the church began with a boom. People came to know Jesus Christ. They came to know the gospel. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, God is proclaimed. And people come to Christ. And even those who try to dismiss and say there's nothing happening here. Well, the disciple Peter has one of my favorite comebacks to that quip in verse 13 about they have had too much wine. He says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And Peter, Peter, who has messed up time and time again, filled with the Holy Spirit, the disciple who at one time denied Jesus three times over, the disciple who stepped out of the boat only to fall in, the disciple who continuously just doesn't get it, who says, wash my feet, no, wash my whole body, the disciple who just doesn't get it but tries really hard. On the day of Pentecost, this simple fisherman is filled with the Holy Spirit and addresses the crowd with an amazing sermon. This is the Holy Spirit at work. But Pentecost is not about Peter and his sermon. Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit filling the church. Pentecost is a great thing. And is there any problem with the Holy Spirit being poured out? No, not at all. But the problems come later. Because as people, we can be petty, short-sighted. And in our sinfulness, we get more caught up on ourself than we get fixed upon God. Because the church has and always will face problems on earth until Christ returns. And that's why today we're going to spend time in 1 Corinthians 12. Because 1 Corinthians 12, at the writing of this letter, this is a post-Pentecost event. The church is growing. It's been established. In many ways, the church is thriving throughout the different missionary journeys that have happened. But there are problems as well. Corinth is facing problems. In many ways, the people of Corinth are like little children arguing about who gets to be the bulls and who gets to be Michael Jordan instead of just playing the game and playing it well. And this is not unique to them. Squabbles are the stuff of church history. And so often there's a little bit of showing off that also is going to pepper the whole letter of 1 Corinthians. And if you're attentive to it, you'll see that in 1 Corinthians 12 with what the Apostle Paul is trying to address People in Corinth are trying to show off with what amazing gift they have, and they forgot who gave them the gifts in the first place. They're more interested in what they can do 
instead of being remembered, reminded that they were given a calling to serve God with the gifts that they have been given. Showing off is human nature. I don't think I'm the only one who ever tried to show off for somebody that I liked. A word to the, a word to the youth, showing off does not work as well as you think it does. But nonetheless, thinking about what happened at Pentecost and the amazing establishment of the church, now we're going to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a church a good distance, but just like small town DeMott, Indiana that heard all about the Chicago Bulls, 1 Corinthians, the the church in Corinth has heard about Pentecost and they've experienced some of the same effects. But as we read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 13, I want you to keep your eyes open for one thing in particular. Pay attention to how many references to the Holy Spirit are made in this text. As we get so focused on ourselves and what this means for us, pay attention either by reading or listening to how often the Holy Spirit is the focus of the sentence. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 13. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. And to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. The Holy Spirit. How many times did you hear Paul reiterating to the church in Corinth that any of these gifts, even these amazing ones, even the ones that create spectacle and hype, like a great basketball team, even the really cool ones, these are all gifts of the Spirit. The whole point of this opening part of 1 Corinthians 12 is to remind the church in Corinth All of the gifts that you have, all of the stuff that the Spirit enabled you to do is a gift of the Spirit given to you so that you can further the kingdom of God. This is the work of the Spirit. And the focus needs to be on God, 
not on ourself. The gifts of the Spirit were not given so that we could draw attention to ourselves. The gifts of the Spirit were not given to us so that we could show off in front of other believers. The gifts of the Spirit, all these different kinds of working, were given for the building of the kingdom of God. And to each one in all of these different kinds of ways, different gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one is the same God at work. If there's a way to sum it up, know your team and know your coach. Know your team and know your coach. And our team that we are a part of is not the Bulls or the Pistons or whatever other example people gave. Our team is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, the church, which forms how many bodies? One body, though many parts. Know your team, that it is the body of Christ. And know your coach. And who is your coach? Your coach is the Holy Spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Our coach is God and God alone. Another problem that was plaguing the church in Corinth was arguing about who who followed which person, Paul or Apollos. And the reminder is this, it's not the earthly teacher that your coach is the Holy Spirit. Your team is the body of Christ. Your coach is Christ at work within you through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of the other affiliations that we have, all of the other things that make us stand out, all fall underneath the importance of remembering that our first and truest identity is children of God called by him, called into his body, the church. And that of all the people that we learn from, that all of the wisdom we can acquire, of all the earthly knowledge that we can gain, of all the different service that we can do, of all the great works that have been accomplished, all of this is done through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not of ourselves, but it is of God. At one time, even those gathered in Corinth did not know that they were needed to be on the right team. Just as in the first, first paragraph of 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul reminds them, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. How can a mute idol, something that cannot speak, something that was made by human hands, how can that lead you astray, says Paul? How can something that you made yourself and that can't talk to you, how can it have such power over you? At that time, the people didn't know the team that they were meant for, that the body of Christ was where they needed to be. And they had not yet received or encountered the coach that they needed, which is the Holy Spirit. Our team, our coach, matters more than the gifts that we have. The gift of speaking in tongues was one that caused some division in the church in Corinth, which is why Paul puts it towards the end of the list, if you notice, 
even though he'll go on in the next few chapters to explain tongues versus prophecy and what's most important. But in all of this, there is something about the public spectacle of of speaking in tongues, of something interesting and exciting that made people kind of feel like they were the star of the team and they could steal the show. Speaking in tongues and all of its spectacle caused division in the church and what Paul will call unintelligible worship. But to put all of that aside and to remind ourselves it's not about the gift that has the most spectacle or the most importance, but it is the faithfulness by which we use the gifts that God has given us. That was the point and purpose of all the gifts that were given to the people of God by God's Holy Spirit. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for what? For the common good. To remember that they're all part of one team, the church, and that they are working for one common good together. Not who can show off the best, not who has the most impressive gifts, not who can steal the show, but working for the common good for each one. It's not about the position on the team that you play or about how many points you score, or about who is watching when you did something really, really cool, as much as we all like that. But with your position, the important thing is that you play well when you're on a team. And with the points that you score for a team, you remember that it's not the points that you're scoring for yourself, but for the whole unit. And if you're worried about who might be watching or who didn't see when you did something amazing, in our world, don't worry, it was caught on video anyway. But that's not even about you either. It's an impressive thing for the whole team, not just for you. Every sport has their star player, right? Everybody wants to be the quarterback. Everybody wants to be Michael Jordan. I don't hear people saying, yeah, I really want to be the right tackle. It just doesn't have the same weight to it. And no offense to any right tackles in football, if that is a position. I'm suddenly not so sure. But when we think about the kingdom of God, we think about the body of Christ, which is our team. We remember that we're to play well. And that even with who's watching when we do something good, when we work for the common good together, Even that is not to show off for ourselves or to somehow display our righteousness or works of good service. That's what the Pharisees had down to a science. But even when we do good things, it is for the witness of the kingdom and not for ourselves. It's been said that the greatest obstacle to spiritual growth and church growth is getting too focused on the self. But instead, we're reminded in 1 Corinthians, and we're reminded with the very act of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that this is about what God is doing here among us. And so, North Holland, I ask you today, who is on your team? First of all, you have to know what team you're on. And it needs to be the body of Christ. But then let's remember, one body, many parts. Even this morning, let's wonder anew, about who is on our team. Certainly those gathered in this part of the body. But we were reminded this morning that our brothers and sisters at Faith United Reformed Church 
they're on our team too. We're all on the same team. And hospitality requires us to be kind and hospitable to one another, but also to our neighbors. And for faith, to remember that they're on our team too, and that there's plenty of folks that are not on our team that also need to be reached. And they'll only be reached by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. Who is on your team? And most importantly, who is your coach? Our coach is the Holy Spirit. And if, if our coach is the Holy Spirit, then we know that Christ is our Lord. In verse 3, Paul writes, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There is concerns about the church, even about those who are speaking in tongues. Are they saying something against Jesus and they wouldn't even know because they're speaking unintelligibly? But rather the reminder is given that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That even the gift of faith that we have, even our faith, which we would claim as our own, our faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Our strength to believe is not our own, but our strength to believe in God the Father is given to us by God through his Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God within us. To remember our place, to remember that we're all on one team playing for the same coach, even with all the different gifts and services, is paramount to the church working together as one body. That very last verse that we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, reminds us that we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, the word for to drink there is potizo, which is where we get our English word for potable, drinkable. But it's a passive word. We have been given one spirit to drink. By the grace of God, we have received the invitation to know who Jesus Christ is, to worship him, to know him as our Savior. This is the act of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us not earned, not worked for, not deserved in any possible way. This is the Holy Spirit that was given to us by a free act of God's grace. And by God's grace, my friends, remember, the team that you are on is the body of Christ, both here and throughout the world. And our coach is the Holy Spirit which is Jesus Christ, our Lord, at work within us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Even within your church today, O oh Lord, there are unhappy divisions, there is conflict, there is bitterness, and there is strife. There is envy, and there is jealousy. Help us by your Holy Spirit and the gift of your word to remember to recenter ourselves around you. To remember that even in this team, this body, your church, 
we are all on the same team together gathered by you. Lord, may you be our coach, our guide, our mentor, our teacher. But this all you do because you are our Savior. You are our Savior who loves us and has called us to be your people. Lord, this we pray, that you make known and make it a reality among all the churches throughout the earth of our unity that is focused not on ourselves, but on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This time our deacons will come forward to collect our morning's tithes and offerings. And just a reminder, next week we will be taking a second offering for um, Good Samaritan Ministries. That will be next week. Um, So at this time, deacons, please come. Thank you.